I've said it before, and I will say it again, I am not ashamed to share with you the words of another that have spoken to me through the Spirit. I don't steal sermons, but I borrow heavenly sometimes. <laughs> and the United Methodist Discipleship Worship Planning, say that three times fast, United Methodist Discipleship Worship Planning website did not disappoint this week. Much of what I will share with you today can be found on their website, but I couldn't find the name of the author to credit. But I've also added my own touches and stories here and there so that um, you will recognize my voice within it and maybe find something that connects for you. Most importantly, I hope that you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear and in your heart. So many of you know my friend Jordan. He was the um, coordinator of our family life ministries for a short time. He and I went to seminary together, and he still worships with us uh, from now every now and then, usually online. But what you may not know about him is that he's a polar bear. Do you all know what a polar bear is? Not the kind with the sharp teeth for seals and... and <laughs> He likes to go swimming, yeah. <clears throat> He's the kind who once a year finds a semi-ice-covered body of water and jumps right in. <laughs> yes. Well, he does this for a reason. Um, he does this uh, for, as a fundraiser for the National Resources Council of Maine. It's a nonpartisan organization that advocates for environmental issues. And um, he, for many years, he was, he was a polar bear, like jumper, but now he's their mascot. So he dresses up in the polar bear costume, which I think is a much smarter choice, if you ask me. Um, by the way, this year, the, that polar dip in 5K uh, raised $35,000 between corporate sponsors and donors. Anyway... So, have you ever met one of these polar bears? Yes. They are super enthusiastic, aren't they? Yes. And what do they want you to do? Join them. <laughs> Come on in. The water's fine. I don't think so. So, much like the author whose preaching notes I'm using, I am always a little wary of those words. The water's fine. Come on in. I don't like plunging into cold water. I don't care how hot it is. I don't like cold showers. I don't like unheated swimming pools. I do not like green eggs and ham. <laughs> Even if it's really hot outside, the water has to be warm too. Maybe not bath water warm like my mom's, the pool where my mom lives. Oh my gosh. You start sweating after you get into that thing. But warm enough that by the time it's over my hips, I don't get that jolt, you know? Sue's husband, he'll swim at all times of the year, too. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, but at the same time, if there's a group doing it, I don't like to be left out. At our family reunion in Turner on Bear Pond, I eventually will wade in for the family game of water baseball because it is just too much fun to miss out on. They're having a blast, and before you know it, you don't even know what temperature the water is. 
In today's scripture reading from the Gospel of Matthew, John stood in the waters of the Jordan River and shouted, come on in, the water's fine. Now I've seen those waters of the Jordan River. They are not fine looking to me. The river moves so quickly that it is very muddy, so much so that you can't see an inch down. Who knows what is lurking in those turbulent waters? (laughs) But the truth is, many people joined him. They took him up on that invitation. It must have been a wonderful party for those gathered in the water. But now... Imagine John's surprise when Jesus climbed down the bank into the river and said, Me too, baptize me. Perhaps Jesus was saying, I want to join the party. I want to be seen joining the party. I want my ministry, my life, my witness to be one about becoming a part of the body, about joining up with the kingdom of God, about it being a whole group thing, not just a one-on-one. Now, some say that John's hesitation to, to baptize Jesus has to do with his understanding of baptism being one of repentance, of forgiveness of sins. We just sang about it in our hymn. Jesus had no sins that needed to be forgiven. So why did he need to be baptized? But when Jesus insisted that John perform the baptism, maybe it was because Jesus was redefining repentance. Maybe Jesus knew that in baptism, something much bigger happens to us and through us. Many of us think about repentance the way John seems to think of it, as a turning away from sins, from a life of sin. We're sorry for what we've done, for what's gone on before, for what we've left undone, and we pledge not to engage in those behaviors again. But what if Jesus understood repentance to be primarily a turning toward? Repent means literally turn around, 180 degrees, turn around. What if the gesture that Jesus was making was one of inclusion, acceptance, and entrance? This was the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus wanted everybody to know that it was about becoming a part of something bigger than yourself. This was a sign that something new was about to be launched. And this new thing was nothing less than the kingdom of God. Nothing less than a new way of living in community. Many folks ask why United Methodists baptize infants and children. They're innocent. They have nothing to turn away from yet. This reimagining from Jesus' perspective helps us to better understand. They're not turning away from past behaviors. They're turning toward God and toward community. Right away, right now, the sooner the better. At first, under the guidance of their guardians, 
And then, after confirmation, through their own free will and determination. But always, always with the support of the community. When Jesus says this baptism must be done to fulfill all righteousness, what he's saying is that he must be baptized in order to show, to live out by example, his faithfulness to relationships. You cannot be righteous all by yourself. What's that called? Self-righteousness. And what is a self-righteous person like? What'd you say? Not fun. Not fun. I heard somebody else. No? You can talk, you know. <laughs> They're off-putting. They're exclusionary. They're selfish. They've lost that sense of relationship. Besides water, the one absolutely necessary element for baptism in the United Methodist Church is you, the community. We don't have private baptisms. Baptism is a corporate act. It is almost always done as a part of worship. And when, in extreme cases, it's not part of a regular worship service, like if I had to go to the hospital and baptize a baby there, or an adult there, for that matter, it's the community must be represented somehow by someone do you remember during the shutdown, our beautiful baptism service for little Eloise? Yeah? For those who, who weren't there, we actually baptized her during the week. It was like, because it was Thanksgiving, wasn't it? So I think it was like a Friday. And, um, and we baptized her. We got like halfway through the service and we recorded it to the point where we put the water on her head and then we stopped. And Hazel, as grandmother, was also representative of the community because she's one of our co-lay leaders. And then on Sunday, we finished the service all together. There wasn't a single soul besides Dan and I in this. I don't think Christina was even there for that. I think we'd gone completely online. But there was a whole community online. And you all had the words to say, and even Eloise and her mom, Tracy, were down in Florida at that time. But her great-grandparents had joined us from England, and we had all of you online. We might have placed that water on her forehead during the week, but we completed that baptism in community. And that little girl will always have a family here. Baptism is an entrance into the fellowship of believers. It's joining up with the body. Once you've been baptized, you are never alone. Did you hear that? You are never alone. There is always a family around you. You have joined something larger than yourself, which is something startling but also worthwhile. 
I often remind those who have been baptized that pretty much no matter where you go in the world, you will always be able to find a Christian sibling who will welcome you into their church. It doesn't have to be United Methodist. They'll welcome you into their church or their home. So last week, we prayed the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer to begin our year by recommitting ourselves to our Christian walk. Today, we're going to use the ritual of remembering our baptism to recommit ourselves to this Christian community and the work of the kingdom of God. If you have not been baptized, don't worry. This is not baptism. We're not going to take the place. We're not going to do something to you that you don't want done or aren't ready for. But John Wesley, that's who this little bubblehead is, John Wesley believed that rituals like this and like Holy Communion could be your first encounter with God, a means of grace. And so everyone is welcome. This might be the time that God prompts you to climb down that riverbank. And if through this process you do feel called to be baptized, please come to the altar rail during the process and I will offer a blessing over you and we can all celebrate. And then we'll set up a time to talk more about what baptism means. Maybe you can join our new membership class um, and we'll make your plans for your big day. But this remembering our baptism is really for everyone. So I'm going to invite you to turn now in your hymnals to page 50. And join me. Come on in. The water is fine. 